it's okay to give God the glory because I remember when hallelujah I remember when I was lost didn't know where to go didn't know whether I was coming or going and then God picked me up in the midst of it all so forever I give him praise today hallelujah oh just praise him just everybody just lift your hands in the sanctuary and give God the praise because he's worthy he's worthy he's worthy he's worthy to receive praise glory and honor because he is the king of kings he is the lord of glory hallelujah to the lamb of God thank you Jesus Oh God, how excellent, how excellent, how excellent is his name, how excellent is his name, and we don't get tired of praising our God, we don't get tired of giving him the glory, because he's an excellent God, he's an on-time God, he's a holy God, he's a righteous God, he's a delivering God, he's a healing God, he will set the captives free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. But he's excellent to me. I don't know about you. But I'm so glad he set me free. I don't know about you. But see, I got to remember when I was lost. And he saved me, and he healed me, and he delivered me, and he picked me up, and he turned me around, and he set my feet on solid ground. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. There's nobody like him. Hallelujah. Nobody like him. Hallelujah. I tell you, I don't get tired of praising my God because <laughs> I know what he done for me. I know what he done for me. When you know that you know that you know what God has done for you, nobody has to tell you to praise God. When you know you could have been dead, nobody has to tell you to praise God because all you have to do is remember where he brought you from hallelujah that's why I say he's an excellent God he's a mighty God he's a powerful God all power belongs to God hallelujah power belongs to God hallelujah there is nothing that the devil can do to me because power power belongs to God Oh, if we just get that down in our spirit today, that power belongs to God. We'll see things in a very, very different way. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you. God, we thank you, we praise you, we honor you, we glorify you, we magnify you this morning, God, in this place. We say hallelujah to the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your holy name. God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart this morning, God, be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, God. Let the words this morning, God, penetrate, God, the hearts and minds and lives of your people today, God. Oh, God, let no one go out of this place the same, but God, I thank you for there will be a shift and there will be a change i thank you god this morning in jesus name amen amen hallelujah oh it's okay to keep on praising our god it's all right it's all right to praise him it's all right to be happy in the lord the joy of the lord is your strength hallelujah the joy of the lord is your strength this morning Hallelujah. Oh, when you feel that bubbling up on the inside, let that joy just come out in praise and worship. And it will begin to strengthen you. Hallelujah. It will begin to strengthen you. Let the weak say I'm strong. Hallelujah. (laughs) 
Glory to your name, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you can. <laughs> hallelujah, Jesus. Pick up your Bibles if you can. <laughs> God, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You're an awesome God. Hallelujah. And turn to Numbers chapter 16. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory. I'm sorry, we're going to start in a different verse. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 12. Sorry about that. Hallelujah. Verse 1. Hallelujah. And I want to preface this by, do you hear God? Do you hear God? Verse 1, Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said unto Abram, get out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto the land that I will show thee, unto the land that I will show thee. Not See, when God was speaking to Abraham, he didn't say, Abraham didn't say back into the land that I think I want to go to. He said, well, I will show you. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, I will curse them that curseth thee, and these, and, and these shall be, all thy families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord spoke unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed the land of Haran. You may be seated, amen. Today I want to talk about a few things. I want to talk about being confident in where God sends you. You know where you're going when God says go, amen? When we look at this scripture, we see here that you have got to progress. You've got to possess and you cannot digress. I'm going to say that one more time. You've got to progress and you can't digress. You got to go through that process. Amen. Now, when it says, now the Lord says to Abraham, get thee out of thy country from thy kindred. I want to share a little bit of my testimony. And a lot of you already know this, but it is befitting for this scripture. God called me. I believe he began speaking to me when I was between nine and 10 years old. Okay. And when I was that age, I remember we were going to church on a bus ministry and I was sitting with the rowdy bunch, you know, they pick us all up and some kids are rowdy. Some kids didn't want to listen to what the preacher said. They just came to church to get the snacks after church. Let's just be honest. Some people just come to church to get the fellowship food. Amen. And so that's what we were doing when we were on that bus. We would come to church. But prior to that, see how God will set you up. My mom was in the hospital. She had to have cataract surgery. She met a lady while she was in the hospital that was in the same room with her that told her about the bus ministry, okay? And so that's how we began to go to church. And when, we, when I was in church that particular Sunday, there was an altar call. And my heart began to be moved. And I was young. I was like 10 years old. And I began to be moved. Now, we're still talking about getting to where God wants you to be. But it starts a long time ago when God begins to speak with you, even as a little child. So I was about 10 years old sitting in church with the rowdy crew. But I knew I was different. I knew I was different. When the altar call happened, I went up to the altar, got on my knees, and everybody behind me was looking like, what is she doing? I didn't even know why I was up there. All I know that there was something on the inside of me that was saying, even before I knew what come out from among them meant, I had to come out from among them. I had to come out from amongst the people that I was even sitting with when I was young. So I went to the altar, and I remember telling the pastor's wife, I was rude to my mom this morning and I want forgiveness I want forgiveness and then after that some years later I was um uh playing for I played for a church of God in Christ I played for two churches at one time I would leave my home church go to another church and then go to another church at the age of 16 years old doing what I thought but what I didn't realize is in the mix of me God trying to get me to where he wanted to be I was picking up a lot of stuff from different churches 
Amen. Everybody with me in the house. I was picking up stuff that maybe I shouldn't have picked up in these various denominations that did not teach what I was learning at my home church. But I thought at that age, the more that I do for God, the more holier I was. This was at 16 years old. I was playing for two churches and going to my home church. I would leave my church, go to one church and then go to another. But I was picking up their indoctrinated ways. I was picking up a bunch of religion and stuff that didn't even mean anything where God is concerned and when I say that I mean you know you got to look a certain way you got to dress a certain way and God says I look on the inside man looks on the outside so if you don't so you have to go home and get dressed and come back to church and look a certain way in order to be holy I was on the path but I was on many wrong paths trying to do what I wanted to when God was calling me out saying be ye holy and be ye separate now when Abraham when God spoke to him he heard God that was the first thing he said now the Lord said unto Abraham get thee out of thy country why did Abraham have to leave where he was it was a lot of idolatry going on in his country it was a lot of things going on that were not of God so when God begins to move you to another place so to speak, he will say, get out from around the people that you around. Get out from around the idolatry worship. Get out from around those that are drinking and cussing and doing stuff underhandedly. So God had to move Abraham from the place that he was familiar with to get him to where he wanted him to be. And he even said, get from around your kindred. Now that is a hard pill to swallow because we love our family. But you know what? Sometimes, brother man, your family will help you go to hell because they don't want to be right. They will help you. Oh, a little drink don't, a little, little something, something every now and then as long as you don't get drunk. You don't even know this, but then the family may say, oh, just a little nip will be all right. But you're trying to be free. So God told Abraham, get from around your kindred as well. How many of us know sometimes we can be holding on to people, even in our families, that will hold us back from doing the perfect will of God if we do not let them go, so to speak. Amen? So he had to get out of his country. He had to get from around his family. He had to leave his father's house because God says, I want to show you something. But God couldn't show him something until he left what he was familiar with. Everybody say, I got to leave what I'm familiar with to get to where God wants to take me. Amen to that. Amen. And he says, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. But the last part says that he says, I will bless thee to be a blessing. Now, think about this. We don't hear a lot about that part of the scripture. About, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. God does not bless us just to keep it all to ourselves. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing to the church, to the pastor, to the house of God, to somebody in need. It is not all about us. Amen? It is not all about us. See, God wants to separate us from some stuff. And sometimes God has to separate us from ourselves. Amen? So, well, how do you do that? It's called the division of soul and spirit. How does that happen? When you begin to be so inundated with the word and so fixated on God, I got to have this every day. If I don't eat the word, I'm hungry. But if you ain't hungry for the word, you will think you all right. If the word does not call you, you will think you all right. That means that the soul and the spirit is still meshed together. They have not come apart because God wants to divide the soul and the spirit so we can walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. When you think and we're talking about progressing, we're talking about taking the land that God has given us. If you go into book of Numbers chapter 16, and I love, love, love number 16, not because it was a rebellion going on, but because that very scripture saved me in ministry before I got in ministry. And I'm going to tell you how. When I first got in ministry, I thought I knew two scriptures and thought I knew everything. I had a little unction in my spirit and I thought that because The 
function because I get out of you what can, what is in you. And I believe some of that stuff came in when I was going to all these different churches and receiving what they said and not just staying at one church. So you can eat it from a whole bunch of tables and it'll make you sick. It'll make you sick. In Numbers chapter 16, it says, now Korah, the son of Izar, uh, the son of Kohath. Now, let me talk about the Kohathites, Okay. Now, I'm just going to boil it down. I'm not going to read everything. But in Numbers chapter 16, we know the story about Korah and how he uh, wanted to do an uprising because he thought that he could be better and do things better than Moses. Now, the Kohathites, they were of the tribe of Levi, but they had the principal place about the tabernacle and the charge that was most precious to the sacred things. And their charge was to literally carry the most holy things of the temple after Aaron and his sons had covered them up. So the Levites, there were uh, different sects, not sects, S-E-C-T-S, of Levites. They were like different uh, duties assigned to particular Levites. But the They have the same. But Korah, he was and that's found in Numbers 4 15. But Korah, he was not happy with that. And what God told me when I was in coming up in ministry, he said, sit down because you got a seed of rebellion in your heart. I'm going to use you, but you have to get that seed of rebellion out. Otherwise, everybody that comes under you is going to be rebellious and you're going to begin to produce that fruit after your own kind. If you go back into Genesis chapter one, it talks about when the earth was yielding fruit, it yielded fruit after its kind. Whenever we're yielding fruit, we'll yield fruit after our kind. Amen. But if the fruit that's in us is not of God and not good fruit, it's going to be some other fruit. Amen. So God says, sit down for six months. I didn't do nothing. I sat down and he says, stay in numbers chapter 16 until I tell you to stop reading. And I told my pastor, I said, you know, God has got me in numbers chapter 16. And he just started laughing because he already knew you rebellious. You quietly rebellious. See, it's one thing to be rebellious, but sometimes we can be quietly rebellious. The Lord will have your leader say something and you say, okay, I'll do that. And you'll be like, okay, sit down. You'll sit down, but you'll be standing up on the inside because you got something to say. And God is saying, sit down and let me talk to you. So he began to deal with Korah and Korah, he was jealous. He was jealous. He wanted the priesthood and that was not enough. When a person has that Korah had, it will literally stop the camp from progressing if that is not rooted out. And we're still talking about progressing and not digressing. Amen. And when you have a, a person like Korah, some of the particular signs, they're not content with their current position and what the Lord has called them to do. Not content. They begin to make unfounded accusations against the leader. What did Korah say about Moses? He made accusations publicly in front of 250 leaders, elders in the congregation of the children of Israel. And what he literally said was everybody is holy. The children are all holy. He didn't even know. All he wanted to do was use the people that would listen to him to say that they were holy. And he wanted to start a false movement. Korah had made it seem as if he was representing the people, but he was really using the people to fulfill his own agenda. And whenever we see a person or people that are trying to pull you out of where God has placed you with a word of an accusation of your leader in your ear, you better believe they got the spirit of Korah on them. Amen. An interesting fact is that Korah literally was proclaiming the holiness of people. He said all the congregation was holy. Now, when at that time, that nation was not holy. They were not, but see, that is the trick of the enemy to have someone whisper in your ear, you know, I got a, I got a deeper revelation than apostle got. So come on over here and, and let me listen to you. Let me tell you what God showed me because she may have said something, but she didn't say everything. So... Let me tell you a little bit about what God is. You you really holy, but you don't even know what they're dealing with. Because a person that does that, they want to lure you by a seducing spirit into their camp, into what they're doing, into what they're saying. Now, he said that all the people, all he said, word, all the congregation is holy. 
that nation needed a holy leader. And that's what Moses was. And God, you know, when you look at it, if you go back in verse 11, it says, or chapter 11, it says, and when the people complained, it displeased the Lord and the Lord heard it and his anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burnt upon them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. Now, God is not going to be burning people up and consuming them if they holy. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And it says that and the people cried unto Moses and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. That is what I call an awesome leader. That even when the people are clowning and showing out, the leader will still stand in the gap and begin to intercede. Because it says that when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. That means that's telling me according to the word of God, God would have burnt them all up had Moses not have interceded. How many of us know that we have a pastor here that intercedes on our behalf even when we should have been burnt up even when we should have got the smack down I thank God for a leader that stands in the gap amen hallelujah and another thing that was happening in that chapter uh, chapter 11 it was talking about the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting and the children of Israel always wept, wept they, excuse me they wept again who shall give us flesh to eat now they're talking about now they're upset because they got manna. How many people today get upset because God is feeding you what he knows you need and what's best for you, but we still want flesh to eat. We want to go back to Egypt because the leeks and the herbs and the garlic was so much better. But God has said, no, I'm weaning you off of all of that stuff to be able to get you in to possess the land that I want to give you. But before you get to the land that I want to give you, you got to be purified. You got to be cleansed. You got to be holy. Because if you go into a land that God has given you with all this junk, the land will be contaminated. And that's why God wants to purify us. So Moses once again had to pray for them in Numbers chapter 14. Now we're talking about going back and looking what Korah said. To get the people on his side. He said all the congregation of whole is holy. But when you go back and read about the unholiness of the congregation of Israel. It shows us that he didn't know what he was talking about. That also tells me that he had a very good gift of gab. He had a gift of influence in people. He probably was a good orator and so because he was able to get people to listen to him. If a person is a great orator, that does not mean that they are anointed by God. Patty the Bell can hit a note and you can feel it, but that does not mean she is anointed by God. Some people have a particular gift for a particular thing, but if that gift is not submitted to God, it will cause you to leave God and follow that thing. And that thing won't even be God. In verse 14, it says, And all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept at night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would God be that we should have died in Egypt, or would he have us die in the wilderness? Now, murmuring and complaining. That don't sound like holy to me. But Korah was telling them, They holy. They holy, but according to his standards, they were holy because he had something, you know, what he did was he literally misread the state of the flock because of his own rebellion. He was trying to be in a place that the Lord had not called him to be in. Whenever a person begins to try to be in a place that God has not called them to be in, they begin to misread and misinterpret the scripture and misread people because of their own intent of their own heart and the danger is when God is doing a great work and you have people that want to take over and try to infect and affect those around the leader they want to get them to see that leader in a different light the 250 elders of that congregation of the children of Israel they were not only infected but they were affected how were they affected I'm glad you asked hallelujah they gathered themselves against Moses and against Aaron, I'm back in 16, verse 3. And they said, and to take you on too much of yourself, seeing that all the congregation is holy, every one of them and the Lord is amongst them. Well, see, he told a, a, a partial truth there. They weren't holy, but the Lord was among them. 
You see the, how the enemy tries to skew things. Wherefore, lift up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. Moses began to intercede for the people because he knew that the people were going to get the smack down. He knew it because he knew God. See, he knew how God worked. He knew God. He said, if they do this, Lord, because I have a track record with you, Lord, I know what you're going to do to them. So he began to intercede. Isn't that like a good leader that would begin to enter? You about to get it and enter. Lord, don't kill them. Lord, don't hurt them. They don't know what they're doing for real. They just listening to the wrong person. They taking the wrong counsel. This is what was going on. Verse five, and he spake unto Korah and unto all the company, saying, Even unto tomorrow the Lord will show thee who are his, who is holy, and who will cause him to come near unto him, even him who he have chosen will cause him to come near unto him. And so it goes on down, and I'm not going to read all of it, but it talks about how the earth opened up, it swallowed up everybody, well, the people that were on the wrong side, and it closed back up. But the 250 uh, elders of the congregation, they thought they got away with it because they ran into the midst of the crowd. How many of us know that we can't get away with it? We cannot get away with it. When a person becomes rebellious and they begin to step outside the prescribed parameters that God has set you in. And he said, don't go over there because if you go over there, death is there. And then we go over there talking about, I, I know God too. I heard him too. And uh, I don't know why pastor don't want me to go over here. But, well, it could be that the earth is about to open up and swallow somebody. It could be. And then also, after that happened, the 250 elders, they thought they were getting away with it, but they weren't. They ran into the midst of the congregation, but how many know you can run, but you can't hide from God? Because his eyes are everywhere. They roam to and fro across the earth. They know exactly where you are. You can be in the midst of a million people, and God said, there you are. There you are. I see you. I saw what you done. I saw who you was trying to influence. I saw that. So while the elders were running, they were called in the Bible men of renown. They were running to hide because they just saw, but they knew they was part of that, right? So oh, I'm going to go and just try to hide by somebody who is holy for real. I'm just going to stand. I'm going to go stand by Brother Elijah because I know he be praying. So I'm going to stand by Brother Elijah and God ain't going to get me because I'm by the man of God. But the Bible goes on to say that a fire came down from heaven and consumed them. All 250 of them, but it did not touch anybody else. We have a precise God, don't we? God is a God of precision. And God, he wants us to walk according to his will and his word. But if we're not walking according to the word of God, we're walking outside of the prescribed parameters. And we're doing stuff we don't need to be doing. What happened the next day? What happened the next day? See, when you have rebellion, a seed of rebellion in a person, and they begin to spread it, it literally does spread like wildfire. Because uh, Korah, Dathan, Abiram, on they were the original you know, ones that wanted to incite an a uprising. But see, on he got away. He said, uh-uh, nope. I don't want to be part of this. So he's not mentioned as one that ended up dead. But the next day, after the children of Israel saw what God had done to the rebellious ones, Korah, Dathan, Abiram, and then also the 250 elders in the midst of the congregation, they were consumed by fire. The very next day, see, it was still some rebellion up in there, Brother Manny. It was still some people up in there that were looking, trying to, you know, or, you know, maybe, maybe they were right. But how are you going to say they were right and they dead? How are you going to say somebody is right in what they did and they just got to smack down by God? So the next day, everybody said the next day. The next day, it was a whole bunch of, of the, them murmuring, complaining, and then they begin to accuse Moses and say, Moses, it's your fault they did. Now, wait a minute. Did I miss something, brother? Because last I checked the word, it was Korah's fault because he incited the uprising. 
But because there was nobody else to blame, and people nowadays do not want to take responsibility for their actions, their words, and their deeds, they said, um, you know, it's Moses' fault because he's the leader. He let it happen. We don't have control over you. You have free will. But while they're complaining and tripping the next day, Moses began to get on his face and began to intercede for the people because he knew what God was about to do. He had already seen it back in chapter 11 when they was tripping. Then that fire came and it went in the midst of him and started burning them up. And then he had to pray. So, oh, Lord, I'm going to have to pray again because I know what you're about to do, Lord. See, because he had an audience with God. He heard God. The Bible says that he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to the churches. And if you go over in Deuteronomy, uh, I believe it's chapter... 18 or either 28, just one of them, it says, if you would hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord and keep his commandments and do all that he has wanted, wants you to do, then the blessings will come. But it's something about hearkening. If we don't have a relationship with God, we hearkening to somebody else. If we don't have a relationship in the word, we're hearkening to the YouTube preaching videos. Can I help somebody in here? We'll go in that YouTube and say, oh, that was a good word, and I think I'm going to share that. Yeah, that even your word that God gave you. But going on to that next day when they got up, they began to murmur. They began to complain about Moses and accuse him for killing people. And they know good and well, Moses didn't open the earth up. Moses didn't shoot no fire from heaven. That was an act of God. But they accused him. He began to pray. The next day, 14th, well, the fire of God was coming from heaven, not fire, the uh, death plague of heaven began to come down from heaven because God sent it. Moses knew what God was about to do. He knew it had already been enacted. So he sent Aaron. He said, Aaron, go get the fire pan and run with those fire pans and make an offering and get in between the death plague and what God is about to do. But, But see, we ain't fast enough. Because before Aaron could get there, I believe it was 14,600 people had already died before the plague could be stayed. Thank God for a leader that would intercede on behalf of the people. See, Moses was progressing towards the place where God said, I'm going to take you somewhere. He said, I'm going to take you somewhere. Abraham left Everything he was familiar with because he heard God and God says, I'm going to take you somewhere. But don't digress. You got to progress towards the place where I've called you to be. Go and look at uh, Nehemiah. But let me let me just let me back up for a minute. For everybody who wants to be in ministry and wants this pulpit (laughs) or any other pulpit. It's a progressive work to get here. Sister Gloria, stand back there by the door for me, please. And um, if I can get like four people to stand in the middle, I'm going to show you something. Just four people to stand in the middle aisle for me. Any four is fine. We need two more people. Just stand in the middle aisle for me. Believe me, I'm not going to hold up my hand and knock you out today. (laughs) I'm just making an example. But if God want to do it, he can do it. Okay, so back to where Gloria is. When you start in ministry, you come in real happy and you're glad to be saved. And you got all, you know, it's like, oh, God, I'm so thankful I'm, I'm saved. And you got all these people cheering you on and around you and they doing things. Oh, let's just go do this for the Lord. Let's go witness him. We're happy. Okay, Sister Gloria, you can sit down. Okay, and then Sister Renee, by the time we get up here, I got a little bit of word in me. Oh, yeah, I like this word. Oh, God just spoke to me. Oh, I just, I heard God say something to me. Oh my goodness. He was, I was in the word. And do you know what God shared with me? And it's exciting. And then you got all these people around you that want to hear what you have to say. Because now you're saying what God said. And so some may say you might be a prophet. Hearing what God say don't make you be a prophet. It just means you in tune to the word and you in tune to him. But people, Sister Renee, at this point, will be, they'll want to be around you because maybe they're not putting the time in, but you're hearing from God. You can sit down. By the time they get to Brother Joe, by the time you get to this stage in ministry, 
Joe is solid in the word. Now, this person is solid. They're standing on the word. They will not be moved. They're not going to the left or to the right. They begin to put in check people that are in their circle. And what do those people do? They leave. But this is the, this is the gradual graduation up to leadership and ministry. So then you got people in the beginning, everybody want to be around you. Then you got, you hearing from God and everybody around you thinking that you're a prophet. So now they want to hear what does say the Lord. They don't want to get in the word. But then by the time you get to what Joe is, then you have to say, you know what, brother, that ain't right. So you need to check yourself on that. And then everybody get to leave. You can sit down. Then we get right here. We're about to get on. Well, God has said, okay, you're purged. You're, you're, you're ready almost to get there. Now, where is she standing alone? <laughs> because God will call you. You can sit down. He will call you to himself for a season to prepare you for where he's taking you. So don't get used to the, don't think that if you called to a certain area of ministry, it's going to be all peaches and cream and roses. It's not. You're going to have to endure hardness like a good soldier, according to the word. You're going to have to know the word, be in the word, not just two scriptures and a sha-ta-ta. And you can tell somebody something that ain't cutting it no more. Because nowadays, people need to be delivered for real. We got some show those demons out here that if you got open doors in your life and you try to minister to somebody and deliver them from what the enemy has done to them, spirit of oppression and things like that, that thing will see that open door and jump all over you. But we want to be all up in the business, in the pulpit. No prayer life, no word life, no prayer life. Means no life. But we got all these people in Numbers chapter 16, the second part of that scripture, that want to blame the leader. The very one that said, they are holy. They can, you know, we, we can do what you do. You don't even know what it takes to get to where Moses was. You don't know where it took Apostle to get to where she is. And you don't know all of the ins and outs and everything it took. We don't know. But God knows. So we have to say, no, I'm not going to covet what, what, what the woman of God has. I'm going to hold up her arms. Amen. We're going to be the Aaron and hers in the congregation that said, you know, yes, Lord, we're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to do what we need to do to make sure that the vision moves forward. And if I see, <laughs> I hope pastor don't get me. <laughs> but if I see any chorus, I'm going to call them out. I'm going to tell it. I'm going to put it like that. I'm telling. I am telling if I see Cora. If I see Dathan, if I see Abraham, I'm telling if I see that. Why? Because this ministry is moving on. And we're not going to be stopped. We're not going to be stopped by, you know, uh, the spirit of Achan. When you were told not to go get that, but to kill everything. But I saw something that looked good to me. So the, the, the camp couldn't move forward. What did he get a wedge of gold, a Babylonian garment? And he went and hid it in his tent. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 the camp stopped moving because of one disobedient person. See, disobedience is very, very critical in this hour when you are walking in disobedience. You could be stopping something that God is trying to do. But that's why God has an eagle eye pastor up in the church that when something gets a little hung up, she began to pray and say, Lord, this ain't right. Now, what's going on? And he show her. But if I see any Achans, Dathans, Abrahams, Korahs, the 250, the six, if I see any of that, just know that I'm telling. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory to God. You may not like me today, but let me tell you, if you make it to glory, you're going to love me. Hallelujah. Because it is our job as leaders to look out. For the greater good. And the greater good is to make sure that whatever God has called miracle temple deliverance ministries to do, it is our job to help and make sure that it happens. Now, God going to make sure that it happens, but I sure would be happy to be a part of what God is doing. And not a part of a hindrance. Because we already said what happened to those that hinders. 
In the book of Nehemiah, another one of my favorite scriptures, Nehemiah, as we know, was a cupbearer for the king, right? King Artaxerxes. King Artaxerxes was a pagan king. And Nehemiah chapter, you can even go to one if you want to, but I'm not going to like read all of that. But Nehemiah was a servant of a king and he had to taste everything and drink everything, take a sip of it before he gave it to the king because that was his job to make sure that that food and that drink was not poisoned. Now what Nehemiah did was he literally prayed and got a burden for his people. How many of us got a burden for people that are lost? That's one of, one of the things that apostles have been talking about is going out and winning souls. The Bible says that those that win souls are wise. If we are not winning souls, that means what? I ain't say it. The word said if we're not, those that win souls are wise. <clears throat> and so Nehemiah had a burden for the people. He hadn't even been there. He heard about it. What did he do? He didn't immediately act. He began to seek the face of God as to what do he need to do to go back and restore the gates that were torn down, excuse me, the, the gates that were torn down and burned by fire. I mean, the, 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 the house of God was a wreck. And he wanted to know, how can I help fix this situation? So he prayed. He got the, the okay from God after a time of praying. See, that's where we miss it. We'll get a, we'll, God, we'll get a, a burden about something, but we won't pray through to see how we, what we need to do in that matter. We want to just go and do something without praying and doing as good, but we have to pray to get the exact mind of God on how to help fix a, fix a situation. So he prayed and he went to the king. And because he prayed, when he went to the king, it says in the Bible that he went there and he was looking down. He was looking sad. And we knew that in the Bible, in the Old Testament, if you went into the presence of the king looking sad, you could be killed because it was supposed to be a pleasure and a joy and excitement to be in the presence of a king. So he went there and the king said, why are you looking so sad? I'm paraphrasing now. Okay, don't say she ain't even preaching the word. Because she didn't say thee. <laughs> I am preaching the word. But he went into the presence of the king. He was looking sad, down and out. And the king asked him, Nehemiah, what is wrong with you? And Nehemiah told him. Then the king said, well, what do you need? Do you know that that pagan king that didn't even believe in the king of kings and the Lord of lords gave Nehemiah everything he needed to go and restore? Everything. But there were some people that was trying to stop his progress. That old Sanballat and that old Tobiah, they came up and he was on the wall. And this is fast forward to what he was called to do. He was on the wall doing, make, doing restoration. He had a spear in one hand or a sword in one hand and he had his spatula in the other. In other words, I'm going to fight this fight if you come and try to stop me from doing what my God has commissioned me to do. I'm going to get you. And he wasn't playing. It says it in the book. He had his spatula, but he also had a sword. And how many of us know nowadays when we're fighting, we can't be mamsy pamsy. Well, Lord, if you would know, you're going to get out of here because we are doing a good work and we won't come down. That's what Nehemiah did. He didn't come down off of what God called him to do because he had some false prophets in the house. Saying that, you know what, well, come on down because, you know, you come down and have lunch with us. And we'll tell you what the Lord is saying. He said, no, I'm not coming down for lunch. And wait a minute, let me back up. I'm not saying that there are any false prophets in here. So please don't go back and say I said that. I'm using it as an example. <clears throat> so there were the false prophets telling him to come down. Let's go have lunch. Let's go do this. And he said, I'm doing a good work. I'm not coming down. And whenever God has you building, he will not allow you to come down off of what he told you to do to entertain somebody. See, people nowadays get so upset when somebody is doing a work for the Lord, but they don't have time to entertain your junk. Because if I entertain your junk, it's going to stop me from doing what I need to do. It may stop me from being in the word. It may stop me from praying if I stop to entertain stupid stuff. 
So we can't do that. And we can't get mad of those that we call on. If, if I'm in prayer, I'm not going to answer you. If I'm in the word, I can't answer you. If I'm doing something, that God, I'm sorry. Get on your face and your knees and find out what God wants you to do. And we'll talk later. But we as a church has become so lazy and lax. We don't want to pray. We want somebody else to pray for us. We don't want to intercede for our own self. We want everybody to, I'm telling you what I know. I've been there, done that. But when I finally figured out what the deal was, get on my knees and pray. Begin to speak out of your mouth. Your words have power. You don't like what you see. Begin to decree and declare a thing and it shall be so. You don't like what your neighborhood looks like. Begin to talk to the spirit that's in them drug dealers and command them to leave that corner. I was when I was raising my kids, we lived in a neighborhood. It wasn't the greatest. It wasn't the worst, but it wasn't the greatest. It was like, man, you know, something like that. But there were drug dealers that was in the weed, cocaine or whatever else on hash, whatever they was doing. But I moved in and they, the drug dealers, they would always stand on my corner. So I said, Jesus, how am I going to handle this without getting shot? You know, I, I need to know what to do because I knew they was packing, right? And they look real mean and they look hard. And, you know, they had that look like, don't mess with me, lady. Okay, so I'm going to go out on my porch every day and sit on the end of the porch that was closest to the corner. And I'm going to open up my Bible. And I'm going to begin to pray and thank God for this corner. God, this is a holy corner. God, he that dwell in the secret place of the most high shall abide in the shadow of the almighty. I did it every day. They be standing out there looking at me and I'm looking at them and I got the word. I'm shaking, but I'm looking at them. (laughs) But I had my word and I had a word. And you don't belong on my corner. Come here, let me talk to you about your soul while you looking so mean. Who hurts you? Who did it to you? Why are you so hard? But if we are in our feelings, we can't even get in the word to say, you know, I need to, they dealing drugs. But, you know, eventually they was like, yes, ma'am. Okay, Miss Cross, we're going to, yeah, thank you. My kids live up in here. Go on. You don't want to get saved? Go on. They didn't show back up on my corner. In fact, when people would be saying something to my kids, them Miss Cross kids, leave them alone. You know, that's that lady on the corner that be praying all the time. You know, no, I didn't have to call the police. Now, if I'd seen them doing something, I probably would have. But I didn't, I was more concerned about their souls. I didn't have to call the police on them, but I took my word out there every day. Because my God is a shield around about me. He's a shield. He's my front guard and he's my rear guard so even if they don't like what I'm saying according to the word when I turn my back he's my rear guard nothing will happen to me but I had to stand up for what I know was right instead of going to the person next door you see them over there what do you think we should do you think we should just like call the police on them one day and watch them get drug away to you know prison I'm finna go out here with my word I'm talking to nobody but the Lord about this situation But it was really interesting, Brother Elijah, that I gained so much respect in that neighborhood. And I didn't even know people. I stayed to myself, went to church, came home, worked, that was it. But everybody knew me and my children. Even the police, I was I was getting ready to go to work one night, and the police, he said, Miss Cross, don't leave yet because it's a situation in the neighborhood. I know you're getting ready to go to work. I'm like, what? You know all that? (laughs) Wait a minute. Go on back in the house now and we'll let you know when it's safe. Okay, I don't know any of the police in downtown, but they know me. They know my children. They would even come to my house, you know. Uh, uh, I'm not going to mention his name because they're probably watching. But one of my youngins, <laughs> they were doing some stuff they had no business doing. The police picked him up, brought him home. Higgle your child. Higgle your child. So we have to stay on what we're... Now, just think, had I come off the wall, had I come out of my position of who I am in Christ, got in the flesh and said, you ain't going to be on my corner, I probably would have caught a bullet. All up in somebody's face without the grace. That's a whole nother sermon, right? (laughs) No grace, 
just attitude all up. But you have to do things according to the word. God didn't tell me to go get up in their face. He said, go get up in the word. Go decree and declare what my words said. That's why I know when I open my mouth and I decree a thing, I know that I know that it will happen. And it will happen. Why? Because I trust the word. I believe the word. Do you believe the word for real? Can you go in the word and get a scripture and take it out of there and say, God, I'm holding on to this word because you said. And your word is not my word. It's your word. You said that by your stripes I am already healed. So therefore, I am healed. I am delivered. I am set free. I am not bound. I am free. The Bible says that whom the son set free is free indeed. Why do many people, Sister Shirley, walk around like they're shackled down? Why do people walk around with fetters on their ankle like I just can't make it? You can make it. From what he was called to do, which was going to the cross. He didn't digress when they beat him. He didn't digress when they whipped him. They didn't, he didn't digress when they plucked a beard. He went on. He didn't even digress when he couldn't carry the cross anymore. He did not digress. So why are we digressing when it get a little hard? Moses didn't digress. Abraham didn't digress. Nehemiah didn't digress. And Jesus sure enough didn't digress. And you know why I know he didn't? Because I'm here. Had he digressed, we would not be here. Should have been dead sleeping in my grave. We all know the story, right? Should have been. Could have been, would have been, had it not been for Jesus. For him not digressing. But we get a hangnail and we want to quit. Oh my God, somebody say something that you don't like and you don't want to come to church no more. Oh my God, you can't get up here and preach and all of a sudden, I know I'm called to preach, but they won't never let me preach. So what? Go out there and preach to the lost. That is the great commission, Apostle Ben saying it. It's backed up by the word. Go out there and get on the corner with your microphone. Go get you one of them, what they call them, uh, them things with the microphone in the box. Or go get you a karaoke and an umbrella when it's hot and a microphone and stand out there and decree the word of God. They go your pulpit. They go the pulpit. And I bet if you keep doing it, you're going to reach somebody. But see, I think what the problem is, Jennifer, is people don't want to be rejected. Because when you're up here, you have a crowd of people that want to hear what you have to say. But when you out there, it's almost like don't nobody want to hear you because if I wanted to hear you, I'd be in here. So I'm not going to go and talk to nobody out there because I don't want nobody to hurt my little old feelings. I don't want my feelings hurt. I don't want nobody to tell me, go somewhere. I don't want, it, I don't want nothing to do with the church. Don't want to hear that. Might even call you a name. People are bold nowadays. They don't care nothing about nobody being a preacher. Back in the day when I was coming up, man, you seen the preachers coming, you walk straight. I mean, you wouldn't say nothing out of the way. Now a preacher will get cussed out in a minute. You better be packing the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's a whole nother sermon. But we have to do what God has called us to do and not digress. One of the things that I was looking at the other day was how when Abraham was uh, told to go and leave his family, leave the country, leave all this stuff behind. And, and it reminded me of when God told me, and it's like been six years now, I've been down here in the Carolinas. God told me one time I was down here preaching. He said, home. I said, I told Evangelist Newton, I said, Lord said, home? Well, this may be my second home. Little did I know. He was like, no, I want you to move. Get on down there to the Carolinas. And I did. So six years ago, I began to pack up my stuff, but in the midst of me obeying God, I had a stroke. 
My eyes became crossed in. Everything was double vision for months. I could barely see. I mean, it was a mess. I was in and out of the hospital. They didn't know what was wrong with me. They said, Miss Cross, we can't let you leave this hospital because all your levels is off the roof, but we can't find nothing. I said, it's the devil. <laughs> let me out of here. <laughs> So I ended up going home, but I was very, very ill. And when I said, you know what? If I keep waiting on myself to get better, I may never leave Michigan. So I bought a car that could make it because <laughs> I had a hoopty before then. <laughs> I bought a car that could make it, drove down here. The first day I came to church, I mean, I, I was wearing an eye patch and, um, but the first day I came to church, I could not half see, okay? And nobody knew that because I didn't tell anybody when I walked in here, I was seeing double vision and I was walking really slow. I was like, well, maybe if I walk slow, I look holy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> if I try to put on a holy walk, I'll look holy. But the problem was I could, everything was double vision and I was so dizzy. But I said, I'm going to church. And Lord, you, I done came down here now. I done made it down here. Now I'm going to church. So when I got it, by the time I left, I was healed. I didn't have double vision when I left the house of God that day. So I took that eye patch that I put in the car and I threw it out. And I said, I'm not wearing this patch no more because I am the healed of the Lord. And I said, I don't care what I feel like, what it look like, what it sound like. I am healed had to stand on this word and when God says it's time to progress no matter what anybody your body or anything is telling you if God is saying do it you got to do it so it's been a journey has it been easy no but if God is in it he will supply your every need according to his riches and glory He'll take care of you physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially. He will take care of you. How does that song go? Be not dismayed, whatever you be tied. God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. Ooh, ooh, ooh. He will take care of you. (laughs) I know what I'm talking about because I've been taken care of. When he said leave, I left. My family was mad. Oh, my God. It was like, where are you going? Uh, south. Who you know down there? A couple people. You ain't got no family. I got Jesus. I got my Miracle Temple family. Yes, I do. <laughs> so whenever God is saying it's time to uh, progress and possess the land, we can't digress and go back to what we're familiar with when it gets hard. What happened to Lot's wife? You know, he told, he, now let me, let me tell you this. When you're progressing in the things of God and he is having you uh, do what he would call you to do, Abraham took Lot with him and he shouldn't have. Abraham, I believe, took Lot with him because um, his, <clears throat> Lot's father died. But prior to that, when Lot's father died, Abraham's father took Lot with him. So when Abraham's father died, I believe that he felt obligated to take Lot with him, which caused strife in the camp. So Lot went their way and uh, Abraham went that way, you know, at the direction of Abraham. He said, if you go one way, I'll go the other. It don't matter to me. Well, anyway, Abraham knew that if God was directing him, he was going to take care of him. So Lot took the best looking land. How many of us know that it may not be the best looking land that you need to be going into? See, a lot of times people will choose the best looking man, the best looking woman, the best looking this, the best looking that. When God is saying, you better be looking at that one right there because he anointed. She anointed. But you over here looking at that one over here and they all cute and handsome and everything, but they the devil and they going to mess you up. But people don't want to hear that. Because everybody is looking on the outward appearance and you can even go into a church. If you go into a church looking like a raggedy bum, they're going to leave you on a back row. If you come up in there with the bling blings and a diamond and a Louis honey, they're going to say, oh, come on, come on, come on, you must be important. Oh, I know she anointed. Look what she got on. Been there, done that, done seen it. I remember one time I was in, um, 
I'm not going to be called a state because they're probably watching. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, you got to be careful now. This I don't want no inboxes and phone calls. But I was in a particular state, and I was preaching, and I was like one of I think about four or five preachers on the uh, on the thing that uh, for that weekend. And okay, so I was. I'm going to say it like this. I've never been the person or the type of person that wanted to dress to the nines. I like to look nice, but I'm not trying to compete with you in the pulpit to see who got the baddest this, that, and the other on, okay? So all the other people that was preaching, oh, my God, I felt some kind of way when I seen them come in. I was like, okay, <laughs> okay, my, um, okay, 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 good. Jesus, you got this. They was up there preaching cute. I had, but you know what? I had like runs in my stockings, but my clothes was covering them up, and I ain't see no runs in their pantyhose. I was like, man, I hope my, I hope my pants legs stay right, so can't nobody see that run. I mean, you, can, anybody know what I'm talking about today? When you come from somewhere, but you just want to obey God, and you're not trying to be all of that. So why are they preaching cute, brother Manny? I'm like, okay, okay, you got a half a word. Okay, yeah, but, you know, you try to more talk about your bling and your bougie and all of this stuff, and I, I want to get to the word. So when I got up there and I began to preach the word, I come out of my shoes, the run was showing everything, and I didn't even care because the glory of God began to fall. People was all over the floor and everything. And I said, where'd she come from? But I would stay in the course and I would not digress to try to look like somebody else because I know what God wanted to do. Honey, by the time people got up off their floor being delivered, they was probably happy to see that run in my pantyhole. They ain't probably even care about it. Because when people need something, they don't even care what package it come in. They just know I need to be delivered. I need to be healed. I need to be set free. But if you digress from your calling, what God has called you to do, and begin to do other things, you will never get to the people that God has called you to. Because it's the anointing that destroys the yoke, not your bling. Not your shoes, not your hat, not none of that. It's the anointing. And the anointing costs if you're going to go after the things of God and make sure that people come into the kingdom. See, sometimes when you out in the street, the laborers has gone out into the highways and byways. You better pray over that fellow ground first. But how are you going to do that if you don't have a prayer life? So then you go out there trying to witness to somebody, but you ain't even prayed before you went. So when you're doing what God will call you to do, go on, let me go back to Lot now. Lot was over there in Sodom and Gomorrah. We don't have to go into that whole thing because we all, I'm sure, know what Sodom and Gomorrah represented, all type of foolishness and madness and stuff. But the one thing that really caught me about Lot now, and I know that's not good English, Lot now, what messed me up about him is the fact, two things. Number one, he got real comfortable in a state of sin all around him. So the more people you hang around that's comfortable in their sin, and you're not bringing them to where you are, you will be comfortable with what they're doing, and all of a sudden it won't look that bad. Well, you know, they only drink a little bit. Well, you don't, just one joint ain't going to hurt them. Huh. It's legal now. <laughs> I mean, come on now. I know I'm talking right. But what, what's wrong with people loving each other? It doesn't even matter what, you know, if they're like, you know, that thing. What's wrong with it? It's love. No, it ain't. It's a whole bunch of stuff. I don't have time to say everything it is right now, but you know what I'm talking about. But the one thing, the other thing about Lot was he was so, you know, into Sodom and Gomorrah, even though he may not have been doing what they was doing, he was clouded by what was going on. When they came out, now this tripped me out too. <clears throat> the angels had to drag them out. That's telling me that they was not willing to go yet. It was something up in there that they still, what, what is you looking at? In Sodom and Gomorrah, 
You know, I guess it was a wealthy city, but it was full of sin. And, you know, we could talk about that, too. But what is it there that you're looking at that you can't let go of? Is there anything in your life out here today that you're holding on to that you can't let go of that God is saying, give it up? It ain't worth it. It will cause you to digress. It will cause you to move further away from God if you don't begin to give up the things that are not of God. You will move away from him. Now, when Lot, when they drug him out and it was going to take him, you know, to a safe place, who digressed? His wife. His wife digressed. And when she turned around, it says that she turned into a, a pillar of salt. You know, salt preserves, right? So when you turn around and begin to think about the, the think on not the things that are whatsoever good and lovely and good report, those things, but you begin to think on, I remember when I used to drink, I remember when I used to do this, I remember when I used to do that, I'm, I'm thinking on these things. There, be, there begins a preservation of that stuff in your mind because now you're thinking about it. You've given it a thought. And then all of a sudden the enemy, if he can get a, a, a little doorway into your memory, about what you, that's why I quit talking about all the stuff I used to do. Because I said, Lord, I, I want to forget those things that are behind me and look forward to the high calling. Amen. So when you begin to read, you know, remember them things. And, and, and sometime, one time I did that and I started smelling weed. Wasn't no weed in my house. But I was thinking about something that pertained to what I used to do. And then all, and I'm, I'm being honest, I began to smell marijuana. I'm going to have to stop thinking about that stuff because I don't want to be tasting no 40s next, you know? Drinking a glass of water, it's tasting like a brewski. No! You see what I'm saying? But the enemy is slick. If he can get your mind to concentrate on where you've been and what you used to do and all of that stuff, he'll begin to put a picture of it before you. And I'm not talking a picture of beer. I'm talking about a mental picture of what you used to do. And then as you begin to think about that, you be like, well, you know, it wasn't so bad. Yes, it was. But the enemy has gotten the door open. And that's why we cannot, we cannot, we cannot digress. We have to keep moving forward. We've seen Abraham. We've seen Moses. We've seen Nehemiah. And you know what tripped me out about Nehemiah? At the end of the book of Nehemiah, he was so adamant about what he was telling him to do. He said, and if you do it again, I'm going to lay hands on you. <laughs> Go read the last chapter. They did it. And it also said that he plucked them bald. So he snatched them bald and whooped them good because they was messing around with the house of God and they should not have been. So in closing, progress, possess the land, and don't digress. That's my message. Hey, Amen. I know y'all had to be blessed. As she was talking about progressing, you know, and getting up here, I just think of her like a, a minister is supposed to embody the message. You're supposed to be one with what you're saying. And Apostle Cross is one that's, the, the message that she gave is actually everything she's walked through. And I say that to say, you know, just like the Bible says, beware of false prophets, you should know them by their fruit. So if what she's saying should have fruit in her life, we've seen her progress. You know, I, I've seen her when she came from the first day even till now, and I've just seen progression in her life from just hearing what God said, come out and I'll show you. And just being obedient, you see her life just steady progressing. She's not going back. She's moving forward. And God is increasing her more and more. So, you know, that's a good example for us. We just hear the word, and, and when God says something, we do it, we'll progress. If we be willing and obedient, we'll eat the good of the land. So uh, uh, right now we're just going to have, uh, if, if there's any visitors that want to stand, give us your name, where you're from, you can. Do we have anybody? We'll get your mic, brother. We'll get your mic. One second.